G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you'll know, on 2020, we're always interested in a Christ-centered approach to all of the dimensions of our lives. Well, we're back into a conversation today about wholeness, not on a secularized model, but wholeness in spirit, heart, body, mind, and social dimensions. As Christians, we're mindful that as so many dimensions of our lives appear to be getting darker, the foundations of our lives become all the more important. A lot like Jesus' illustration that a wise person builds their house on the rock and not on shifting sand. Mind expert, Dr. John Warlow is back with us again today. He is an adult, child and family psychiatrist. He developed the Christian Wholeness Framework. His latest book is Part 3 in a Trilogy. It's called The Cure for Life. So Part 3 is about to be released and it's not what you might be expecting. His new book, in fact, involves a pictorial commentary on every book of the Bible from a counsellor's perspective. In his latest book, John Warlow skillfully unfolds universally accessible picture language to apply to ourselves and any situation we're involved in, moving the reader in the direction of Christian wholeness. We'll talk a little about the book, but certainly a lot about our lives being transformed by building those on a firm biblical foundation. Dr. John Warlow, let me say a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. So good to be here. Thanks for the privilege and particularly to talk about yeah, biblical foundations and what a foundation we have in Scripture and it's particularly what a foundation we have in Jesus Christ. You know, we have been talking for years, uh, many more years than some people will imagine, but uh, the, the idea that you've, had a, you've got a trilogy of books And uh, the first two, we've talked through lots of issues that you've been able to very beautifully be able to bring out uh, into our lives. The third one is about to be released. It's not in the bookstore yet, but maybe within a week, this is going to be a real relief for you, isn't it, to get it finally released? Certainly, I mean, the Christian wholeness framework has been developing over the last 32 years or so. This book has been a six, seven-year project, so in the next week, Kurong hopefully should be having it. <laughs> Great stuff. I've been mentioning the idea of, you know, the wise person building their house on the rock, uh, the foolish one building their house on the sand, These are words that come from Jesus himself. I wonder whether we might spend a moment or two just reflecting on the power of those words because if you get the foundations wrong, your whole life can be messed up. I think so. And this is in the context of the end of the Sermon on the Mount. 
just prior to which Jesus has been saying that actually not just the foundations but the tree in which you've been grafted into will will bring forth that fruit and that links into John 15 and it's the foundations and it's the root stock from which we come who is Jesus as we are responsive to him doing and obeying what he wants us to do. I imagine you can do some level of self-assessment and say, well, is my life built on the rock or is my life built on the sand? And it's not necessarily about condemnation here because we often don't get to choose the foundations, which I imagine why parenting is so important because we lay those foundations for our children to build their lives. Lots of us will be able to reflect on the fact that somehow or other, our parents, who might have been lovely and wonderful people in a whole lot of different ways, might have missed some of these foundations and we may not have our lives built on the rock. Any thoughts here for how you might sort of, you know, assess your own presence as to whether you're on the rock or whether you're on the sand? And so there's two uh, diagrams here which illustrate what you're talking about, Neil. Firstly is uh, there's a shape of the cross which basically helps us to really look at have I been born again or not? Is my uh, foundation of the building and the practice of my life on Jesus? Firstly. Secondly, there is another diagram which can map out where we are at any particular time, whether we're being Christ-centered or self-centered. And in your book, uh, I mentioned you've got all these illustrations. Uh, doesn't mean there's not lots of meaningful words there too, but you love diagrams. Uh, you love illustrations because, and you know, take us a little bit into the whole uh, psychiatry here too, because uh, the idea of pictures, some of us might have in our mind, oh, this is a way that psychiatrists get us to open up about the deeper issues of our hearts and our lives. So you've got these pictures in there because we don't always uh, we don't always communicate so well with words on a page, but pictures, diagrams and illustrations are very powerful in communication. Neil, this is a unique expression of mental health, psychiatry and theological truths. And it really came from my deficits, Neil, it was not my strength, when I was really struggling to actually become a psychiatrist. And um, uh, in the exam I took, while I was predicted to fail, this is like 35 years ago, to become a psychiatrist, 80% did fail, but I didn't fail. Why? Because I had the diagrams in my mind, which basically made very uh, important and essential things of psychiatry very easy and accessible. And what this book does is it takes the essential truths of holistic God-centered transformation, theological, psychological, and puts it in the hands of and the hearts of people to use in a very easy way. John, when you say 35 years since those initial studies, and I might point out for listeners, you spent 10 years directing the training in child and adolescent psychiatry for the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists in Queensland. So you're a trainer of psychiatrists. And this idea of 
well, you've got a mature approach here, but taking that mature approach to be able to communicate those things in a way that so many in our community will say, that's the way I understand things. Finally, someone who's drawing an illustration that can actually tell me some deeper things. It does, Neil, and it, it's um, the illustrations there are, uh, are diagrams which I use as a practicing adult child and family psychiatrist in the complexities of the people I see and in the training which I was doing here of other child psychiatrists. But also, it has made it so transferable, particularly, for example, even in Asia, literally Mongolia, China, Pakistan, Nepal, India. At a very basic level, this is being used in the context of mission there in Asia. And, of course, for many, many years, you've had your own practice. And so I imagine you call yourself, do you call yourself a clinical psychiatrist? So really, where the rubber hits the road, dealing with real cases of real people who are struggling with wholeness. And when they come to your practice, they're getting a dimension that they're not getting anywhere else. I wonder whether, John, you've got a reflection here because you've never been ashamed to say, I am a Christian psychiatrist. I have a different approach to what you'll get when you go to that secular counselling model. I wonder if you've got a, a way you can illustrate just how this dimension is so powerful. It is so powerful because it includes every part of us. Yeah, it absolutely and centrally includes a theology of change. It, improve, it includes Jesus. It includes the Holy Spirit. It includes sin. It includes repentance. But it also uh, includes uh, uh, the capacity to look at a psychological view of people, a biological view of people, and a sociological view of people as we relate with each other. It is so holistic. And there's only a small percentage of people, and I'm speculating here, that eventually find their way into the practice of a psychologist or a psychiatrist that has uh, these sorts of dimensions. Lots of us in the community never find our way to get any professional help with these things. And so we're guided by a whole lot of things that we might think are coming from a secular foundation, which leaves out this whole big dimension of what it is to be spiritually whole. While there's a lot of merit in when a GP refers someone with a mental health care plan to a psychologist, absolutely. The added advantage of this approach, approach really brings the Christ-centered, God-centered aspects to holistic change. Now, John, how are we doing in the community? What's your perspective here? Is there a real loss of this sort of wholeness we're talking about? We sometimes talk about Australia moving away from some of its Christian roots. We sometimes talk about and reflect on the way that kids are not introduced to God in RI in school, or they're not going to Sunday school anymore. Some of these dimensions and these foundations are being lost. What's that saying about our community when it comes to these issues of wholeness? It's, it says two things, Neil. Uh, firstly, and this is one of my passions and prayers, is that psychologists, psychiatrists get more spiritually minded and can include the spiritual within the work they do, firstly. Secondly, it says that the church 
needs to actually be more holistically minded and include the physical, the social, and the psychological as we look at holistic God-centered change. I've been talking to a number of people just of recent times around issues about how people are becoming very afraid. Uh, Fear is one of those things that's gripping people significantly. I mean, here we are in the grip of a pandemic. Lots of listeners today uh, locked down, whether they're in uh, Sydney or in Melbourne. Uh, There are various places where there are lockdowns that are going on. But not only that, the rumours of wars, the rise of communist China, the threats that are being created around the world, uh, economic instability that's coming out of the pandemic rising Christian persecution and this idea of deteriorating mental health. I mean, with all of the fearful things that are going on, there is no doubt within our community a rising level of fear. How does fear affect this idea of wholeness, do you think? Uh, You're very right, Neil, and this is not scaremongering. We are in very difficult, frightening times, and all the more reason for us to have a very strong foundation so that even though there may be storms around us, we actually are based on a rock, on Jesus. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Wonderful to have you with us on this Thursday edition of 2020. Talk back line open, 1-800-316-316. You can respond to that Facebook question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. What advantages do you see for a life built on the rock foundation rather than the sand? Our special guest is Dr. John Warlow. Let's take a call, John, from Wayne in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Wayne. Welcome along. Yeah, mate, mate, I've gone through an experience like that, mate. I Things were like in the mental side of things there, mate. On the 7th of March this year, I was going to take my life. I went to church. My intentions were coming home, and I was going to do my life, and things were just too tough. And uh, I, I'd i been to doctors before, and they'd given me medication. I'm not knocking doctors, but we need our doctors, and... Um, the medication didn't seem to do me any good, and I just had enough. Anyhow, um, the Lord uh, put on my heart I needed to see somebody that worked with people, and um, I'd done that. I got onto that person, and I um, I had an encounter with God for about eight weeks straight and ripped my testimony out for just over 40 days. He said to me, for 40, until I tell you otherwise, continue to do your testimony. I read everything that the Lord told me, um, spoken to my heart about. I've had the biggest breakthrough in my life ever. Things couldn't be better in my life now. Um, I would have been dead if I wouldn't have gone that way in, in reaching out to God because I was so desperate that, I didn't know what to do, and I was completely lost. And, um, yeah, it's just changed my life forever. Wayne, what a wonderful uh, thing that you've called in today. Uh, Fabulous to hear your story. Uh, What an amazing testimony that is. And I know that there'll be some who'll be saying, well, this is Wayne, and he was going to church and planning to suicide 
after going along to church because things seemed so tough. Uh, Dr. John Warlow, what are your thoughts for Wayne? Yeah, thanks so much, Wayne, for being so real and honest. And I just want the listeners to know that Wayne is being true blue here. Uh, We don't get uh, adult males talking like this for fun. And Wayne, you've just been so honest. And where it got too tough, where you'd had enough, and absolutely, you could be dead by now. I believe that. In the context of desperation and being lost, and there's going to be listeners, Wayne, who are desperate, who are lost, and those are precedents. Those are steps which can lead, don't have to lead, but can lead to suicide. And good on you. Yeah, medications didn't help, but good on you for saying doctors are useful. That's brilliant. But what you said is you had an encounter with God. And that encounter got deeper than the lost bit. It got deeper than the desperation. And you have had a breakthrough. What a message of hope, Wayne. I really want to thank you for your honesty in that lovely place of Mackay to be able to say this. And may it give hope to listeners who might be feeling lost and desperate and need an encounter with God. Wayne, I don't want to let you go yet because I wonder whether you can just explain a little more for listeners to your story here what that encounter with God felt like because there must have been something that that was impressed upon you on that day. You were planning to suicide. Uh, You'd been to church or uh, what was the encounter like? Well, I've I've been a Christian for 29 years and um, I came through a... um, I was a drug addict when I when I became a Christian. I got transformed completely there, and, and God's got me working with people. But um, anyhow, what what came out of this was um, I, I had some things that God showed me where He put me, and I was really scared. And He brought me out of it, and He said, "All I want you to do is trust me, Wayne. No matter how big or small your problem is, I want you to hand them over to me." You was never, ever meant to carry them burdens or that anxiety. I want you to hand them over to me, and I've done that. My life is absolutely just completely transformed. And I've got my family back. I've got my wife back. I'm back in church. I've got my brothers and sisters in Christ that have backed me to the hill with this through prayer and so much more. My life has changed forever and ever and ever. The love of God, just just His presence had speaking into my heart. The passion that He's put on my heart is just phenomenal. And I, I, I'm just so blown out. I thought I knew God, but with what's happened in my life, I didn't know God the way that I thought I did. That relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is more important than anything you can ever do in your walk. You can talk to him any time. There's times in your life that you don't feel he's hearing you, but he is. Wayne, it is just powerful hearing you tell the story. And uh, I just love the fact that you're so bold and courageous to... 
uh, call and just share these things with us today because there'll be others who'll be inspired by your story. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to call in because uh, what an amazing and powerful story you have. And look, uh, I just come back to John Warlow for a moment here. John, no doubt when you've gone through the desperation experience, you've had an encounter with God, that might not mean that you're out of the woods entirely. You need to maintain uh, that connection with God, to remain in a whole place of wholeness. I wonder if you've got a, a final thought here for Wayne. Yeah, thank you again, Wayne. And such a good question there, uh, Neil. What actually happened? And I just want to say, Wayne, I validate as a, a adult child and family uh, counselling uh, clinical psychiatrist, what actually happened to you? Because underneath that lostness and that desperation, you had an experience of love, of trust, of God's presence. And those are things which can actually even get underneath and change that lostness to from lostness to knowing God in a deeper way. And you've had a transformation. And just finally, you mentioned brothers and sisters in Christ who were there and uh, were backing you all the way. Uh, I'm in a happy place here, Wayne, listening to you. Why? This is going to give so much hope. Thank you so much for that amazing testimony and story. So good, so real, so true. Good on you, Wayne. Wayne, thank you so much for your call. And I want to say Talkback Line remains open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. You might have a question. You might be saying, why is our whole nation moving towards a secular way of thinking about these things and ignoring a spiritual dimension? Well, this is what we're talking about today. Building a life on a rock the rock of Christ, not on the shifting sands of what this world might be trying to teach you, because this secularized way of thinking can only lead to confusion and destruction. And we're coming up to news, but a quick thought from you here, because sometimes people are thinking the Christian thing, that's just a crutch for a few people who want to be religious. This is for everyone, isn't it, John? This is absolutely for everyone, and uh, while psychology and medicine can help, it's just so central and undergirding and foundational to have a theology of change, uh, more than a theology of change, a person of change, and that is Jesus Christ. John, I think it's probably wise for us uh, to take some more calls. Uh, few people trying to get through. Let's take a call. Kira is in Brisbane. Hello, Kira. Welcome. Kira, are you with us? Kira, you might like to try and call us back on 1-800-316-316. Let's try Cheryl in Albany in WA. Hi, Cheryl. Hello, how are you? Very well. Cheryl, what are your thoughts for our conversation? Um, yeah, there's uh, so much truth in what you have to say. Um, I've spent years and years, years in psychiatric hospitals um, with bipolar and schizophrenia, but I believe the Lord is, I know the Lord's the answer, and He's healed me so much. And um, <sighs> um, I know that I need to give up 
the smoking that's standing in my way at the moment. There was a lot of abuse in my life, but the Lord's really healed me of that. And I've been blessed with a few really, really, really close Christian friends who are really committed, who we've walked the journey together with. And um, I know the Lord's the answer. And um, I want to be able to reach out more to other people and the Lord's brought some really beautiful people into my life and I've been so blessed for all the healing that the Lord's done in my life and um, yeah, I know that I need to give up the smoking to be able to go to the next level yeah, so that I can really build my house more um, Cheryl, I know there'll be listeners who are inspired by hearing your testimony here too. John Warlow, what are your thoughts? Hey, thanks, Cheryl, there from WA. And, uh, yeah, it's just so good to hear from you. And bipolar and schizophrenia are really hard challenges and, and the abuse which you've had. And thanks for sharing that. But what I love what you're saying is that, that there's healing in God, that, yeah, hospital has helped you. And thirdly, you had friends, and I love what you say about them, that they are walking the journey with you together. That is just so powerful and so helpful for the listeners, Cheryl. Thank you. Just while we've got Cheryl on the phone, it's interesting. Cheryl says, you know, I'm, I'm smoking. And uh, we know that's an addictive habit. But that's probably one of the lesser issues here. And I wonder whether you've got a thought here. But, but Cheryl's saying that's the blockage that seems to be keeping her from going to the next level. Any thoughts around that issue? Hey, uh, Cheryl, just think about um, what's going on for you that you feel addicted and maybe even controlled by the smoking and bring that sense of, I just cannot beat this habit to Jesus. Bring it to him, stay close to him, and absolutely go to the quit uh, line to help you to stop smoking and so on as well. Uh, but certainly, boy, the other things you've said, the abuse, the bipolar, the schizophrenia, they're massive things. And uh, Cheryl, you stay strong in the Lord and uh, keep those supports around you and uh, get that foundation continuing to be founded on the rock. Uh, Cheryl from Albany in WA, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, some might be thinking, why aren't we praying for Cheryl? I think we're going to take a little bit of time at the end of our conversation, pray for all of these ones who are calling through. Uh, let's take another call. It's John on the Gold Coast. Uh, John, welcome along. Yeah, hello, good morning. John, what are your thoughts for our conversation? Well, I kind of miss a lot of the talk. So, can you ask you first, what was the question again? Was it about... Um um, secularization of the church, I think it was. Uh, well, actually, well, you can talk about that if you want to. I mean, that's uh, part of, I guess, what you could say. But uh, the advantages that you see for a life that's built on a rock foundation rather than a sand foundation, and I guess you'll find that rock foundation in lots of churches. Some churches might not have a solid foundation like that. But uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, well, you mentioned talking about building life on the rock. Well, first, you know, that's got a spiritual and a physical um, application. You know, Jesus, our Savior, said that um, don't build your house on a rock, and it's pretty... Um, I mean, don't, sorry, don't build your house on sand, build on rock. That's and, it, yep. Well, I'm not on the Gold Coast, but those towers are sitting on sand. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not on a safe foundation. But um, apart from that, on a spiritual level, 
you know, we're meant to really, you know, we're meant to walk our lives according to the way Jesus wants us to live. Walking according to the way Jesus wants us to live. And uh, that, I think, is the practical outworking of saying what happens out of that spiritual encounter sense, isn't it? John, what are your thoughts for John on the Gold Coast? Yeah, good one, John. And I think those amazing buildings there on the Gold Coast, yeah, maybe built on sand. But boy, just look how deep those foundations have to go. And I'm certainly not not an architect, but I think Jesus was basically giving a message of the need for a solid foundation. And in that whole thing of the Sermon on the Mount, the big things he was talking about was, hey, with your spiritual disciplines, this is in chapter 6, and is is do them to God, not to others. And in chapter 5, is you can come empty-handed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. Uh, just uh, come empty-handed. Have God first. And what foundations are those to build our buildings on? John, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Sterling is in Melbourne. Hello, Sterling. Welcome. Hello, Neil. Hello, John. Good morning from a very cold and overcast Ararat. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> you might be jealous if I, I said it's I about home. 18 degrees here. <laughs> well, actually, Redcliffe's home. I wish All I right. was there now. <laughs> anyway, listen, I was just... I was reminded of uh, David when he was uh, in his arms. He was he was being pursued by Saul. He was having all kinds of problems, and he would lament these in the Psalms. But he'd always come back to that: "You, Lord, are my rock. You are my horn, my salvation." And I'm reminded of that when a pilot is uh, going through their training. The instructors they're always told: ignore your instincts, trust your instruments your instruments, I beg your pardon. And and I feel our circumstances around us, uh, they they change as, as our emotions do. So rather than trusting in circumstance and emotions, which are shifting sands, we need to have that rock to come back to, which is the Lord Jesus. We need trust him. Ignore your instincts. Trust you, Trust Jesus. Good stuff, Sterling. Your thoughts, John? Hey, David. Uh, great to hear you from Ararat, and I love what you're saying. And the uh, we have such a good instrument in the Scriptures, and certainly this third book illustrates the whole of the, the Scriptures. And yeah, when David was hounded by Saul, he then brought it to God and said, You are my rock. And I think for any listeners at the moment, going through hard times, just as you bring those hard times to Jesus. I know it might sound like Sunday school stuff and so simple, but it is as powerful as bringing the bacteria to the antibiotics. It's as powerful as bringing the cancer to the chemotherapy. And as David was hounded by Saul and said to God, you are my rock, you are my strength. That is where healing, hope, and change occur. Love what you're saying there in Ararat, even though you miss Redcliffe down there. Uh, great to hear from you. Good on you, Sterling. Thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Or you can respond to our Facebook question today. What advantages do you see 
for a life built on a rock foundation rather than the sand. And of course, reflecting on the story that Jesus told of the wise man who builds his house on the rock, the foolish man who builds his house on the sand, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Let's take another call. Kira is in Brisbane. Hello, Kira. Welcome. Hello. Good morning to you, Neil, and to John. And it's just such a... um pleasure to be able to meet you. Um, actually, um, I wanted to share um, about my son who is 13 and he's been, you know, grown up in a um, Christian home and would love to become either a psychologist or psychiatrist in the future. And it's a very young age to be able to um, want to do that. And the wonderful thing is that um, his, his name is Samuel in English, but in um, Korean language, because that's my husband's um, ethnic background, his name means wisdom and good character. And I wanted to ask um, the listeners and John and Neil, if you could um, keep my son in prayer um, as to, you know, his um, desire to want to work in the area of mental health. And it's just amazing that he's taken that ownership of his faith and also the ownership of wanting to actually study behavioural sciences. And we're very excited about that. And the question that I have for John is, I'm wondering, um, you know, what would be some of the differences between becoming a clinical psychologist and a psychiatrist? Okay, there's uh, lots in that. Uh, we'll get a fairly quick response, though, from John. John, what are your thoughts for Kira? Hey, lovely uh, hearing about your son. Fantastic. He's owning his faith. That's a central thing, firstly. Secondly, a person of wisdom and character. So good. And thirdly, someone who wants to be a psychologist, psychiatrist. Brilliant. More people we have in mental health, the better. A psychiatrist is someone who goes through medicine first and then, as it were, does psychology on top of that and can prescribe medications look either psychology or psychiatry daniel go for it really behind you proud of you okay kira i'm not sure if that was going to be a complete answer to your question but uh yes great encouragement for your son and uh and uh, just before we let you go here kira one little extra question on the on the back of this and i know something of john warlow's background it was a hard a hard background you had a lot of different challenging situations in growing up john and and some of those things helped to shape us and uh, so the upbringing that we have can shape the way we actually choose to a to move in these directions but this encounter with god in all of that is going to be a directive way of uh, setting a career in path yeah, and it's great hearing um, there, Kira, that Daniel's been brought up in a Christian home. And uh, if he hasn't had to go through what I've gone through, which is in my first book of the Cure series, uh, fantastic. And yeah, and uh, if he's a person who really wants to go down, as it were, to those who are struggling, those who are actually drowning, and bring them up in a God-centered way, all power to, to, to Daniel. Kira, thanks so much for your call. Let's take another call. John on the Gold Coast. Hello, John. Yeah, hey, I was cut off earlier, mate. Sorry about that. Oh, got you back. Okay, John, what are your thoughts? Um, it's about secularisation of society. I think it's, um, what is it? I mean, there's the popularisation of sin in the, um, in, in, the, in, in the popular culture, like the music and the movies, but I think it's more, 
people are turned off by Christians. Like I'm, a, I've had my bad experiences in churches, and there's just nasty people in the churches, and there's a lot of covetousness and liars and everything. It turns people off. You know, you're making a reflection on churches, and uh, you know, I just want to say yes, those sorts of thoughts are welcome in a conversation like this because hey, let's get real and say that there are those elements and dimensions that happen in church life. Let's not be quick to tar everyone with the same brush, but that's going to be John's experience here. This idea of a secularization of our culture, it does actually feed into the way we respond to one another, even in church life. John, what's your thoughts uh, for John as he uh, adds that thought? Hey, thanks, John. And certainly uh, we're talking about hypocrisy and Jesus was so against that. What I do when I sort of see possible hypocrisy in others is I bend those three fingers with my pointing finger at the church or whatever and I look at myself and I see how hypocritical at times I am. And then the wonderful thing for me is I can just come fall at the foot of the cross and change again to become more God-centered. And uh, my prayer is that the church does exactly the same. Thanks, John. John, thank you so much for your call. And uh, and there is an interesting response, and we've had a conversation, a longer conversation about this before, about hypocrisy in church, and, and a different sort of response to what most people might think. Uh, when we might think we stand firm and we resist that sort of uh, that label. But, John, you are so quick and so humble to say, own that hypocrisy because, yes, we can see it in others in church life, but that's actually happening also in ourselves. Yep. We might also want to highlight the hypocrisy of the secularized, as John mentioned, the popular things that are talked about in media. There's hypocrisy everywhere. It's not just people who are in church. Uh, and for me, the relevant here thing here, Neil, is hypocrisy in myself. And certainly the uh, steps and shapes of the Christian wholeness framework have been ruthless for me, Neil. They've actually showed me how much I actually wander to that self-centered uh, way of thinking and of functioning. But not only that, they provide a way back. And if I could even use that really old word called repentance, repentance. Repentance has come from, to me as a very well-worn path back to home where I belong, where I can come again and be Christ-centered. Christ-centered and self-centered. Is it a way that we can talk about the rock and the sand? The rock is Christ-centered the sand is self-centered. So you've got the sand self. And there's no rot across anyone's back here, is there? You can build a sand-centered life if you want. You can ignore the wisdom of Jesus in this. Uh, some wonderful testimonies that have come through today saying the rock is wonderful. Some people are going to say, I love all of the secularized images. Uh, I want to live a life it's not governed by God. I want to do my own thing. There's no rod on anyone's back, but this is the wisdom of God, and you can choose to accept the wisdom of God or deny it. What are your thoughts here? And I think Jesus actually provided these two options. We can choose to be actually people who hear his word. Yep, we might go to church, but we don't do it. Yep, we are hypocrites. But we can also be those people who hear his word and do that, what he says. And the critical things which he said is repent. 
repent for the kingdom of God is at heaven uh, is at hand and be born again John 3 with Nicodemus is uh, is repent is be born again to enter into the new kingdom and as we do that we can actually then move away from hypocrisy to a line which is li- to life which is lined up with Jesus and the way he would have us to walk which is what this sermon on the mount is about going to draw a line under any calls thanks so much to everyone who has called in we won't take any more calls today because i want to leave a little moment or two here perhaps to lead a prayer because this is the sort of conversation that really brings into focus that there is value in putting your faith in christ on the rock and that there is not much value at all, even though it might seem attractive and glossy and bright lights and big city to build your life on the sand. But, John, why don't we pause for a moment? I mean, there's been some needs that people have presented. We could have stopped and paused and prayed for people through the hour, but I wonder whether you can lead us in a short prayer that uh, can just bring the presence of God into the circumstances that listeners have. Not everybody has called in today who needs to hear the message we're talking about. But would you lead us in prayer? Thanks, Neil. Um, Let's pray. Uh, And maybe you might be someone like Wayne who is at the end of your life and really wanting to exit life. Uh, Lord, we pray for those now that they would just really be able to uh, bring their lives to you, uh, that they might have an encounter with you of love and trust, just like happened with Wayne. And we pray for people who are maybe going well, like Daniel, Akira's son, and that they might actually grow up, Lord, we pray, to be people who will go to those in darkness. And what John was saying about hypocrisy, Lord, help us to look at our own hearts and our own lives and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And like Sterling, Lord, we pray uh, that those who are being hounded by the souls of this life, um, who are actually so struggling, um, that they, like David, might say to you, you are my rock, you are my foundation, you are my hope, you are my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I might encourage listeners, while we're talking about building your life on the rock or the sand, as John says, rightly so, that's the illustration that Jesus gave at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'll often say to people, if you want to know what it's like to be a Christian, and uh, let's just take that into building your life on the rock Try that Sermon on the Mount, just a few pages out of your Bible, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Take your time over it and just see what Jesus says is the practical outworking of what it is to have a life that is centered on Christ. Your new book is out, John. This is part three in the trilogy, The Cure for Life. In about a week or so, people will be able to get all three books together. And I hope you've got a special deal for people who can get all three at once. But this one is the icing on the cake. This is thicker than the first two. You've built on the foundations in the first two. And uh, just to quickly come back to your book 
uh, listeners might want to get a hold of it. Uh, you know, they might want to know whether this is just for people who are, uh, you know, training to be psychologists and psychiatrists or, or whether someone's going to be able to use that in their own local church setting. What are your thoughts for your new book here? This is absolutely for anyone. It goes from Genesis right through to Revelation. Take it and use it um, in as you go through the Scriptures and may it give you such a love for the Word, for the Word of God. And interestingly, when you say this comes from a counselor's perspective, that you can go from Genesis through Revelation, 500 illustrations in there with the way that you love diagrams and things like that to just take you into an extra dimension of thought and understanding here. I know that there's listeners who are going to want to be getting a hold of it. There's three parts in this trilogy. It's called The Cure for Life, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3, Part one is about the God-centered transformation. Part two is about God-centered relationships. Part three, biblical foundations. It's about to be released, and John, all the best with that. Let me point people to connect with you at the livingwholeness.org website, livingwholeness.org. And uh, our special guest today, Dr. John Warlow. John, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Lovely to be partnering with Vision Radio. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.